I woke up one morning not too long ago and discovered a bug bite on the inside of my right elbow. I'd never seen anything like that before. It wasn't itching. It had already scabbed over, but it was a most unusual-looking bug bite. I'll tell you in a few minutes what I found out about it when we come back. Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. We're going to talk about bugs, bees, biters, stingers. You know, those creepy, crawly, unwelcome guests that seem to invade your home, your picnic, your car. They're just not making friends anywhere they go. And I'll tell you, some of these biters and stingers can create serious problems for those of you who are very allergic to their bite and their sting. And I really have a lot of sympathy for you because a lot of you live in areas where bugs are abundant and you've really got to take special measures to avoid them. Now, I was telling you a little bit about this unusual and strange bug bite that I found on my own body, on the inside of my right elbow. It had like two bumps in an oblong shape that had already scabbed over, turning kind of dark, but they were not itching and the the bite area was not getting any larger. I just couldn't recognize this particular bite. You know, most bugs give you a telltale look as far as their bite on you. In fact, you can Google bug bites and bee stings, and you can see visuals on every known kind of bug bite on human skin. And they do differ. It is kind of important to try to learn what they look like so that you can help identify what got you. So I did a little Googling on my own situation, and I have discovered that I have a spider bite. Now, I don't believe it was a dangerous spider. If it was, I'd be in much worse shape than I'm in. But nonetheless, I am not happy that I've been spider bit in my own house and obviously while I was sleeping. So that makes me very uncomfortable. And Mark has already gotten his marching orders and he's going to be on a bug kill this weekend and we're going to get those suckers. The common types of bugs, the top 11 bugs, insects and and, uh, arachnids that populate the United States and some things to be aware of in that it's spring going into summer. We're already seeing a great abundance of these flying critters and crawlers all over the place. So I'm going to go down a list of the top 11 bugs, and every one of these can be found in my region of the nation. And I know that some of you listeners are all over the world. Now, some of you that are in some of the subtropical areas, maybe Australia, South America, Africa, you've got insects and critters and creatures in your countries that make ours pale by comparison. And I totally respect the fact that a lot of you are living in areas where the insect population can actually create so much more risk. And uh, I'm not happy about that for your sake. And uh, I really appreciate the fact that you all have to be very watchful and be very careful because some of you have some real bad, bad bugs in your country. So you've got my sympathy a hundred percent. Now, One of the top number one type of biting bugs that's a real pain in the keister is a tick. Now, there are different kinds of ticks, 
There are dog ticks. A dog tick is the kind of tick you can see. There's absolutely no doubt in your mind. You can, with the naked eye, you can see the tick. It's about half the uh, diameter of a pencil eraser in most cases. But they can attach to the skin, stay there, and then they become engorged. Uh, I actually removed some ticks out of a dog's ear, and they look like little bunches of grapes. It was awful. But they can bite human beings that way, too. And they like to go for some of the dark, folded places, armpits, the groin, knees, elbows, the back of the head. You literally do have to check each other for ticks. You know, kind of like that country song, let's check each other for ticks. That's not a bad idea. If you've been tromping around in the woods, you and the kids, and you've had a great day, you very well may come in contact with some ticks. And they will go and hide up in the hair. They'll go into the ears. I actually saw a tick on someone's eyelash line. Seriously, their eyelashes. You really have to investigate the body carefully for ticks because most of the time a tick that bites you is going to be just an uncomfortable bite. But there are some diseases that are tick-borne, none the least of which is Lyme disease, which is generally carried not by a dog tick, but by a deer tick. Now, that's a different tick. A deer tick is about the size of a grain of pepper. They are extremely small, very small, but yet they can pack a wallop when it comes to transmitting disease. So be very, very careful. We'll talk a little bit about how to avoid some of these uh, bugs after I get through the list. Second on the list, (laughs) my biting friend, the spider. Now, most spiders that are in homes are just those what we call house spiders, wolf spiders. But there are some spiders that can also live uh, outside and inside that can become very dangerous. And that would be the black widow and the brown recluse. And those do have venom. And those uh, spiders can be very, very dangerous. So do have your homes treated for spiders. Spiders are a unique bug. And not just every over-the-counter spray or treatment will actually get a spider. And I'll tell you why. Many spiders have those long eight legs. They're an arachnid. And those long legs actually help them lift up higher off of the ground level of floors and walls, which means they can actually walk across a sprayed surface of poison and avoid it. They can just avoid it because they're not actually having their face in contact with that poison. So it takes different things to affect a spider. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, Mosquitoes. You know, we have joked around here in the South that the mosquito is considered many states' bird because the mosquitoes can be a real pain. And especially after any kind of heavy rain event, thunderstorms and hurricanes, I'm telling you the mosquitoes will come out by the billions. If you don't believe me, come to the South after a hurricane, hang around for about a week, and I'll make a believer out of you. Now, here's the thing. The mosquito that bothers you, the one that bites you, is the female. Now, she's a little bitty tiny thing. You'll never feel her land on your arm or your face or your ear, wherever. You'll never feel her. But as soon as she bites you and flies away, or sometimes you can catch her at it, you're already bit. Now, you know those great, big, leggy-looking mosquitoes that are, you know, an inch and a half across, and they got those long legs? That's the male mosquito. Now, I'm all in favor of you swatting him because we've got to have less male mosquitoes out there. But that big, leggy, big one, he's not a biter. He can't bite you. He might land on you, but he can't bite you. But it's that little bitty one. 
That's the biter. Now, mosquitoes are still a bit of a concern of a bug. Here in America, they are still spreading Zika virus. They are still spreading West Nile virus. They are, uh, in some countries, their mosquitoes are still spreading malaria. And uh, subtropical regions like that have to be very careful about mosquitoes. You've got to be extremely watchful about mosquitoes because they're looking for stagnant water, water that's caught up in a wheelbarrow or a bucket, maybe a, just a, even a, a area out in your grass or your yard that is collecting water and it's not moving. Mosquitoes love that and they look for that to reproduce. So you've got to judiciously look around your uh, residence for any type of standing water to make sure that you eradicate that immediately because that's the only way the mosquitoes can reproduce here in America. So be on the lookout for those mosquitoes and make sure you're not giving them uh, any ground in your area to reproduce. Here's another one, bed bug. Bed bugs are weird. They usually do inhabit the mattresses and pillows of some people's beds. And here's what's really strange about a bed bug. They'll go into hiding during the light of day. And you get into your bed at night and you're sleeping and around 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, you feel this strange little bite. Then you feel another little bite. Then you feel another little bite. And you're wondering, what in the world is in my bed that's biting me? They come out in the darkness. They're looking for the heat of your body. They can even detect the CO2 that's coming out of your mouth when you're breathing. And they follow that trail and they find you. And they're kind of tick-like in the sense that they get onto your body and they will bite you. And most of the time they'll bite you and uh, suck some fluid and blood for a while and then get off of you. But you can literally see them crawling around on the mattresses, under the sheets, and along any of the piping stitching along your mattress. You'll definitely want to look along all that piping and stitching because they'll hide down in there during the day and then they'll come out in the early, early dark morning hours. I'm going to tell you something. Bed bugs are really hard to get rid of. You really do have to seek professional uh, treatment on that because they're just the type of thing that can be very resistant to over-the-counter insecticides. Here's another one that's fun. Head lice. Yep, I said it. Good old head lice. Head lice can strike anybody at any time. It has absolutely nothing to do with your level of clean uh, skin or your... uh, economic position in life. Head lice is no respecter of persons. When some people have it, and a lot of times you see it spread at school, uh, they come from every different walk of life. So don't be all judgmental about head lice coming from the other side of the tracks or from just dirty people because the it can affect any person anywhere and it's most often spread at school. So that's where the school nurses and the teachers are very watchful, and they actually look for those kinds of bites. They usually congregate bites on the back of the neck. When the child's hair is short or if the child's hair is long and pulled up into a ponytail and you see a series of very dark red bites, like, you know, 50 or more, on the back of the neck, that is a strong indicator of head lice, and you do need to take action. They can be done in. But you have to actually get the special head lice treatments. Easy to, you know, use once you get started. Speaking of things that want to bite you, how about fleas? If you've ever had a dog or a cat or a rabbit or even a hamster in your house, somehow fleas can find them. Even when they're given flea treatments, fleas can still come up through your baseboards and come up through your floorboards from under your house, and they can invade your house. And a lot of people have found especially 
when the winter is going away and the spring is coming, fleas will come in and they don't care who they bite. They'll bite anybody, including you. So when you notice you're getting some bites on your feet, uh, unprotected skin around your ankles and feet is generally the most likely. It's because the fleas are taking up residence in your rugs and your carpet and some of those soft fabrics that are in your home. Even the hem lines of your curtains, if they're down touching your carpets, you'll find that fleas will nest in there. And there's some really good effective flea eradicators that can be used to get rid of fleas, not only off your pet, but out of your house. Now, there's also a biting fly. There's three particular types of flies out there that are bad to bite people. One is a horse fly. Another one's a stable fly, which I guess is a kind of a horse fly. And the other one's known as a black fly. These are larger, more uh, beefier looking flies. And when they land on you, they like to bite you. And they can leave a pretty large bite. So if you have a barn, if you've got livestock, you're having to deal with controlling horse flies and black flies and stable flies, just be very careful too because they're going to be swarming around and they do want to bite you. Now in some of the subtropical regions and tropical regions as well, whenever you find a seashore, there is a little bug called a sand fly. And a sand fly kind of behaves in a way like a flea. It'll put a small bite on you and leave a red mark, but they can be very itchy and very irritating. And a lot of people have complained that the sand fly was even itchier than a mosquito, which is really bad. I personally am allergic to mosquito bites. Uh, so if a sand fly is going to bite me, I'll probably scratch till I bleed, and that's not good. So you want to avoid the sand flies. Be very aware if you're walking around the sandy shores of the ocean, sand flies can swarm and congregate in those areas, so be watchful. Now here in Alabama, there's a little mite called a harvest mite. We also call them berry bugs, but they are well known by their Alabama name, chigger. Now, a chigger is a little teeny little bug. You can almost not even see them. You have to really look hard or even use a magnifying glass. And the reason they call them berry bugs is because when you go out berry picking, when you go to get your blackberries and your raspberries and your blueberries, chiggers infest all of these berry bushes. So when you're putting your hands on these berries, you're actually drawing in a few chiggers as well. And chiggers will get up under your clothes. They like to find areas of your clothes that are tight against your body, like the tops of your socks, your waistline where your belt might be, or your elastic waist. If you're wearing a really tight sleeves, they'll uh, like to get around the sleeves and they'll get down in there and they'll hide and they'll actually start burrowing into the first layer of your skin. And they can create a really, really itchy and very disturbing uh, feeling when they bite you because there's just billions of those little suckers and they get, they are just, uh, they're such, uh, just thinking about them right now just makes me want to squirm in my chair. So chiggers is something you have to look out for when you're doing any kind of fruit or vegetable harvesting because that's most likely where you'll find them. Okay, something else I'm dealing with right now is ants. Uh, I'm seeing a few of those big giant black ants once in a while, but you got to be very careful with other ants like a fire ant. The fire ant in the southern United States is that orangey tomato colored ant. You've seen their ant piles and they can make some impressive ant beds. Some of these things are a foot or more long and probably about two to three inches tall, which means there's large colonies that are making big ant beds. You'll run into them in the grass. 
if you're cutting the grass, if you're out playing with the kids and you see a big old lamp bed, it's tempting to want to knock it over with your shoes and, and see them scurry. That is a big mistake. First of all, that's not kind. And even though they're mean little bugs, we don't need to go make trouble. Because most people that ever kick an ant bed over, they don't realize that a thousand ants can be on you in no time. Those guys are fast. They get onto you first. You don't feel them. And then they'll all together at one time sting you. Like 300 at a time. And I'm telling you, I have had an ant attack before. I was standing at the fence talking to the neighbor and I was completely unaware, completely unaware that I was standing right at an ant bed and I'm not feeling anything for several minutes. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, I felt like somebody took a flamethrower and hit my ankles. And I looked down and I'm wearing shoes and socks. My feet and socks were blood red nothing but ants. Of course, I'll start doing the dance and, and the neighbor does too. She runs in her house. She goes to get the spray. She comes back. She's spraying my feet. Dead ants are falling everywhere. But by this time, my feet are so swollen, I could barely get my shoes off. And I had to take antihistamine because I had so many ant bites. I was starting to have a histamine reaction. And uh, I'm glad that I'm not allergic to ants. But if I had been allergic to ants, I'd have had to go to the ER. There's no doubt. So be very watchful of those fire ants. And some of you that are listening, you're in countries where you have a little ant called an army ant. An army ant, that's a vicious bug, vicious. They will stop at nothing and they'll consume anything in their path and they don't care what it is, living or dead. And so if you're living in a country of army ants, you really need to avoid those because they can absolutely wreak havoc and cause severe injury. So be very watchful. Another uh, group of bugs would be the bees, any of the flying stingers. This would be bees, wasps, yellow jackets, hornets, uh, honeybees, Africanized bees, you name it. If Bumblebees, if it flies and has a stinger, you know, you got to watch out for them. Now, most of you realize that a honeybee's stinger is a one-shot deal. A honeybee can only sting you one time, and when they do so, it kills them. Their stinger actually, you know, pulls away from their body, essentially tearing them apart, and they don't survive the attack. But if you're being stung by a hundred honeybees, that's pretty serious. Now, the other bugs, other flying stingers like a wasp or a bumblebee, they can sting you multiple times. They will not lose their stinger. They'll hit you and hit you hard. And the larger stinging bees have a bit of intelligence. And here's what I mean by that. If you aggravate that wasp or that hornet or that yellow jacket, it sees you and it will aggressively track you. It will come after you. They know what they're looking at, and if you threaten it, and if you bat at it, and it perceives a threat, it will come after you. It'll follow you all over the yard. So just don't do that. And if you're mowing your grass, be especially careful. I understand that it's yellow jackets can actually nest down in the grass, and many people have mowed grass and inadvertently knocked over the top of a yellow jacket hive. And it causes all the yellow jackets to come fleeing out of that hole. And before you know it, you got 5,000 yellow jackets all over your yard. And they're looking for you. They know somebody disturbed them. And if you're the closest target, well, you're going to get it. So you need to be very, very careful about any kind of a flying bug that can sting you. 
those are the ones that can pose a very, very immediate threat to uh, you if you're highly allergic to bee venom or wasp stings. You can have a very serious anaphylactic response to that. And you need to be aware of that. If you don't know for certain that you're not allergic to bee stings, then you need to go be tested. That's something you need to know. And if you've got children, you need to have your children tested for bee sting allergies because that can be a life-threatening scenario. I'm being very serious, not trying to scare you. Knowledge is power, and I want you to know for a fact that you are or are not allergic so that you can always take the proper steps. Now, so earlier I alluded to how do we deal with these biting and stinging bugs? Well, the very best thing we can do is repel them outright. Certainly, we don't want them landing on us. We don't want them crawling on us. And we sure enough don't want them biting and stinging us. So we need to use a repellent of some sort. There are some commercial repellents that have uh, different ranges of DEET. D-E-E-T. DEET is a very effective insect repellent. And it's something a lot of hikers and campers use, a lot of woodsmen, people that are in the woods, even people that live in the woods on a permanent basis often use DEET because it is highly effective. Now, other folks don't care for DEET and they don't want to use DEET. You can find some organic or all-natural homeopathic remedies that can be used to repel insects. Now, they may be a little bit less strong and you have to apply them more often, but you may feel more comfortable about putting something that's more or less an essential oil or something that has an organic or plant-based power to it that can be a natural bug repellent. So definitely apply that not only to your skin, but also to your clothing, particularly if you're walking through a forested area. Make sure your shoes and socks are treated and make sure your sleeves and up all around your neck. And if you're wearing like a hat or a headband, spray your hat and spray your headband. You know, more is better when it comes to repelling So definitely Google some recipes for some all-natural insect repellent. If you have been out in the woods, again, let me reiterate, definitely investigate your skin and have someone else that you trust check you over, look through your hair, have someone look at the back of your, uh, you know, your actual back, uh, places you can't see as well, and actually check to make sure you don't have a tick. There are right and wrong ways to remove a tick. There's very detailed information about how to do that. There's even a special little tool. It's called a tick tweezer. You may even want to look for that because it's generally a foolproof way to slide that under the head of the tick, which can dislodge from its body. It'll do you no good to pull the body off if the tick's head is still in your skin. So the tick tweezer is a special tool that'll get up under that head, dislodge those little jowls that are stuck in your skin, and remove that tick. Don't use a blown-out match. That actually releases more of their bacteria into your skin. So that's an old wives' tale that is not a good idea, so don't do that. Do it the right way. If you're not sure, ask a dermatologist. Google it. Find out those safe ways to remove ticks. If you have been bit or stung, you're going to ask yourself, okay, what do I do now? I've been bit, and it really hurts. What do I do? Okay, get a cold compress 
just a nice, cool, damp rag and press it on that affected area to help take out some of the heat and some of the swelling. If you actually see a stinger, a stinger barb in your arm, as best as you can, take tweezers and slowly remove that stinger barb. It's not going to feel good, but you got to get it out of there. You can sometimes even put a small amount of very, very cold water dropping on top of there and it'll contract the skin and it makes the stinger a little easier to pull out. I have known people to even use a small amount of cellophane tape and just lightly tape over the stinger and then ease it out as they pull the tape off because the stinger will stick to the tape. Now, I know of a remedy that takes the hurt out of the sting and that is take some baking soda, you know, about a half a teaspoon and mix it with maybe a quarter teaspoon of water. You just want to make a paste, something along the consistency of like mashed potatoes, not real soupy, not real wet, but actually moldable. And you can press that wet baking soda onto that sting. And I promise you, it will cool that skin immediately. And that takes a lot of the anxiety away as well. Now, if you've been bit or stung, uh, whether you know for a fact what it was that bit or stung you or not, if you begin to have serious symptoms such as extreme dizziness, and what that means is you cannot stand up, you are absolutely swimming. If you immediately feel nausea, and I mean like a fast onset, if you have trouble breathing, or if you feel your throat constricting where it's harder to swallow, you are in a histamine reaction and it's very serious. You must call 911 and you must get help immediately. And there are ways to help you, but you must call 911 and get emergency medical help because you're having an allergic reaction and you can't just wait for it to get better. Those kinds of things don't get better on themselves. You've got to get hospital help for something like that. You can actually go to Google and you can enter bee stings and bug bites and you can see photographs of all of these types of bugs and bees and wasps that I have indicated on tonight's episode and you can see what their bite looks like on the human body. And it's interesting because each one is quite unique. This is exactly how I was able to identify that I'd been bit by a spider because I found the exact same picture of a spider bite there that was on my arms. And I said, well, that makes sense. A spider. I knew it wasn't a mosquito and I knew it wasn't anything else. And I just didn't know exactly what it was. Now I know. So we're going to go on a spider hunt this weekend and we're going to get rid of some bugs. I want you to be safe. I want you to enjoy your outdoor activities. I don't want you to have to worry about bugs, even though they're a part of our world. Get you some repellent And have you some bee sting medications that you may need to have on hand should it occur? Just go ahead and expect that you may get bit or stung and have some of those remedies ready so that you can take action right away and have a more enjoyable spring and summer. My watch cry right now is death to the bugs. I mean, uh, I love bugs, but I don't like them. Does that make any sense? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I know they have a necessary purpose. I don't need to know what that is. And as far as I'm concerned, their purpose is that it just gives me something else to swat. So you got to remember, stuff happens like bug bites and bee stings. You've got to stay prepared. Hey, listen, thanks for joining with me tonight. I appreciate you being here, and I'll see you next time.
We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. We would appreciate it if you would share Practical Prepping Podcast with your friends, family, and your social media. The direct link is in the show notes. And as always, stuff happens. Stay prepared.